Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Iva Bontrager. She is a certified Christian life and business coach, also a certified neuro coach. Welcome, Iva. It's so great to finally have you here. We've been, I know that we discussed, we first got connected quite a while back, so it's nice to finally sit down and do the interview with you. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you for having me, Brad. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I am excited to jump in and share all about the beautiful light you put out into the world through the work you do and your story and your journey. So with that being said, let's jump right in. So you specify that you are a Christian life and business coach. Why is it so important to you to stress the Christian part in your title? And I'm curious then, do you only work with other Christian women? Is that the focus of your coaching business? Sure. My, um, because my faith influences everything that I do, it just, it's a natural fit for me to coach other Christian women. I am open to coaching women who do not consider themselves to be a Christian, but you know, just, I'm very open that my faith does influence my coaching style, but definitely because, you know, my faith is a part of who I am. It just feels like a natural fit to coach other Christian women. Yeah. Have you coached women that aren't Christian though? As of no, yet? at this point, not I yet. have not. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> now, how long have you been working in the entrepreneurial world as a coach? Right at about a year and a half was when I first launched my coaching business. Okay. And I'm really curious to know what were you doing before you made the jump into entrepreneurship? So I actually started my first business when I was 14 years old. So I've always oh, been wow. in the <laughs> entrepreneurial world, except okay. for about a year and a half, I did a stint at a factory. I was a factory worker. <laughs> and it was the worst in my life ever. Like it was torture. I hated it. <laughs> and so I think it really solidified that I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not, you know, meant to work for other people. But so yeah, cer- I really certainly that. not cut out for the factory life. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Iva, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? I would say I'm just a naturally driven, motivated person anyway, by nature. That's just who I am. But I think also the different experiences that I've had throughout life and where I'm at today, I, I, I can see how I can help others. And that really is what motivates me as well to continue to push through even when it, when it gets hard at times. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, we're all here to do that. We're all here on this planet to serve and support and help and uplift and cheerlead each other. That's, that's a big part of why we're all here on this planet. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches have been through their own personal struggles or journeys before making the leap into coaching. I mean, we've all been through our struggles. We're human beings. We all have our shit to deal with. But I found that for most of the women that I'm speaking to who are now coaches, their personal struggles were, we'll say, the catalyst for them becoming a coach. Can you share a little bit about your own personal journey and struggles you were on before making the leap into the coaching world? Yeah, I would say just, you know, in my childhood, my father was emotionally distant. And so I had to really work through all of the emotional kind of junk of that as I was growing up. Uh, but also the culture that I was born and raised in was very restrictive. Outwardly, there was only certain things we could do. We were very sheltered from the world. And, you know, so coming out of that too has really helped me, you know, to shape, uh, you know, I've had to step out. I, but by nature, I am an introvert. I would rather be, you know, working behind the scenes. I'd rather not be seen. <laughs> And yet, because of this call that God has on my life, I'm called to the forefront. I really am. And so um, just overcoming those kinds of things has really, uh, you know, motivated me into this place where I can encourage other women to do the same. I had this moment, you know, probably about, I don't know, 10 years ago, where I was first introduced to, to life coaching. And I remember how much of a difference it made in my life. And I thought, man, I want to do that someday. Like that's my call. I know that's what I'm called to. And so really it's this coaching is this really cool thing where you can take your life experiences, what you've experienced, what you've overcome and transfer into kind of really the niche that you focus on and you get to draw from your own life experiences and help others overcome kind of the similar things you've overcome. And so it's a really cool, um, just kind of a convergence of your life experiences plus taking it into uh, the business world. It's, it's really amazing. You, you said that you, you struggled with always being the one behind the scenes and now having to step out in front, in the forefront or be at the front of things. So what are some of the things that you or coping mechanisms or tools you use to help yourself get out from behind the shadows and into the forefront, into the spotlight, if you will. I would say for me, it's more just this, you know, being an introvert, wanting to be behind the scenes and then being called to that forefront. There's a lot of anxiety that rises up with that and feelings of, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. <laughs> but yet for me, there was always this driving force that it, what would happen if I didn't, right. you know, that I would stay stuck. And I wouldn't get to experience what was on the other side. And so, you know, it seemed to just by nature, I just would step into that, even though I was so uncomfortable. And there are still times when I experience that discomfort and just, I really don't want to be in that place of being in the spotlight. But yet that idea of what if I don't ever experience what's on the other side of that is what keeps me motivated. Love that. How have these experiences then helped shape the Iva you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? Um, like I was talking about, definitely becoming, you know, more courageous mm -hmm. and, you know, showing up fully as who I am and not holding back. Uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, just the culture that I was raised in was much more of a sheltered hidden away kind of place that I grew up in. And so learning how to step out 
and be fully who God has called me to be and not be afraid to show that, right? Like I have a side of me that people that I grew up with have no ideas there, right? (laughs) But, you know, as an adult now, I get to show who I am fully because, you know, I'm rooted and grounded in who I am and how God created me to be. And I fully embrace that. And actually, it's a whole lot of fun to be that person. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you say has been your biggest or most valuable lesson or takeaway from these experiences? Um, To never give up. You know, life throws a lot of crazy at us. And, you know, I've had some challenging situations that I've had to overcome. And, you know, sometimes when you're in the middle of a challenging situation, you really don't see the way out. It just feels like, what's the way out of here? And yet you keep going, just keep going. And for me, it's really trusting that God is holding me in that place and that he knows the outcome and that I can trust him with it and that I don't need to fear, even though that in the natural, I may not see a solution to the problem, but I can keep going each day, one step in front of the other, and I will get to the other side. And um, yeah, so that just idea to never give up, even though it feels so hard at times. Love that. What is it that sets the work that you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? Yeah. So with my neuro coaching certification specifically, it really allows me to get to the root of what is holding a client back. Um, the neuro coaching model is brain-based, scientifically backed method of transformation. It's a method that Dr. Shannon um, created. She is a doctor of neuropsychology. So she took what she learned in the science rooms and brought it into the coaching world. And it really taps into how our brain really works. And so we have these subconscious beliefs that we are carrying subconscious beliefs that were developed ever since we were young. Uh, those, those things that were told to us or, you know, things that we observed in our environment, those beliefs that we picked up, you know, some of those beliefs are good and service. And then some of them are not good and don't service. And because they're running in our subconscious memory, we aren't always aware that they're there, but yet they're affecting the results that we're getting today. And so really to help my clients become aware of what's running in their subconscious, that's holding them back. And then the very, very important step that I love so much is the removal of that belief. A lot of the coaching methods today um, are more surface level. You know, you can repeat somebody else's affirmations, which is good and, and, and helpful to a certain level, but this goes deeper. And I always like to say that uh, the neuro coaching model is like mindset work on steroids. Like it just takes <laughs> it to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that so much, you know, it's deep and it's transformative and it's, you know, it just, you know, speeds it up and it's very, very effective. Tremendously so, that, effective. so that neuro coaching piece was an incredibly integral part of your coaching journey. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. What, in your opinion, is the most important or one of the most important quality or skill sets in a life and business coach? I would say definitely holding space for the client, uh, listening well, and, you know, making sure that the client feels heard is so, so important in a coaching relationship. And then not getting on the horse. So by that, I mean, you know, a client will come to you with a situation that feels overwhelming. They're discouraged. They're struggling. They're wrestling with this thing. 
And the worst thing you can do as a coach is to say, oh man, that must be so hard. I can't believe you're going through this. What that essentially does is just drives it deeper into the neural pathways that it's a difficult situation. What I'm trying to do is draw them out of it. And so, you know, just don't get on the horse with your client. <laughs> I love so that hard. term. I've never heard that before. Yeah, get on the horse. I love it. Term. She taught us that. And I love it too. It's so true. <laughs> that is awesome. And it, it is, it's very true because you're just reinforcing that negativity in your clients. If you start saying things like that, mm-hmm. that's incredible. What would you say are three of the most important lessons that you've learned as a coach? Get the training necessary. Uh, increase your skill level as needed. And uh, coaching is challenging at times, but also very rewarding. And also uh, you are not for everyone and not everyone is for you. Find your ideal client and, you know, you can say no to people and people can say no to you and, and it's okay. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's where the ego gets in the way, right? Is we have to be <laughs> right. okay with that. And that's, I think that that rule applies to all across the board in entrepreneurship period, because not everyone is going to resonate with us and we're not going to resonate with everyone. And you have to get okay with that. And I think that if you learn that early on in your entrepreneurial journey, it'll serve you so well throughout that journey. Yes, for sure. How Iva has your coaching style evolved since you first started in the coaching world to where you are now? say I was probably more reserved, a little bit more hesitant with my clients. Um, But now I bring it, you know, they hire me to coach them. (laughs) So I'm holding their feet to the fire. (laughs) That's what I do as a coach. And so, you know, that's what I want when I hire my coach, you know, because I have blind spots. I need somebody to hold me accountable. And that's, you know, so that's what I bring to my coaching clients. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like they want to throw a shoe at me. (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're not happy with me. <laughs> That's okay. I can take it. I yeah. can take it. So yeah, I show up much more, um, you know, just I'm here to push you forward. I'm not here just to coddle you and keep you where you're at. I'm here to yeah. push you out and that's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You bring it. I love that. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, you are, you're here to push your clients outside of their comfort zone because that's how they're going to grow and expand. Right. As hard as that may be. Yes. Yeah. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work you do as a coach? You know, it's really seeing the transformation in my clients. You know, they, they're facing challenges. We all do. And uh, for them to get that breakthrough, sometimes it really is just as simple as we're sitting in a coaching session and I'm literally holding space for them. And sometimes I, you know, as I repeat back to them, the things that they say to me, they begin to see like, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm thinking. Like what in the world? Like sometimes it's literally that simple. And to see that light bulb go on for them and to get that revelation uh, is so, um, that that's what lights me up. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that so much, you know, and it's what keeps me going as a coach. And on the flip side of that, what is one of the most challenging parts of the work you do as a coach? When a client doesn't do the work I asked them to do and they continue to stay stuck. <laughs> and so how do you how do you deal with that when that comes up? You know, there's times where I'm like, okay, they're paying me, they're making the choice. 
Um, if it comes to the point where I just feel like it's, it's pointless, you know, um, I'm like, no, this isn't working. You might need to find somebody else that works better for you. Um, but there are times where there's like these little glimmers where they're, you know, they're making tiny, tiny baby steps. You know, for me, I'm like, let's, let's go all in, let's do this. Right. But I just having that patience sometimes is challenging. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I can measure baby steps and that's good. Um, but yeah, I would say that's the most challenging of not seeing that progress when I'm bringing my A game and they're not, Yeah, uh, you know, and having to have those conversations of like, you yeah. know, Hey, are you all in or aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So. Iva, why did you decide to focus your energy and business on specifically helping to empower women? I think it comes really from my own journey, like I talked about earlier, of this culture that I was born and raised in. It was very restrictive, very sheltered. And I've risen to everything, you know, to the fullness of what I feel like God is calling me to in a much more upfront way. And I know that there's other women out there that are, have experienced the same thing that I have, or that are holding back because of cultural things that are telling them it's not okay to be fully who they are. And so that is really what is, you know, motivating me to empower women. I would love to know what and why were you inspired to get certified as a neuro coach? Where did that start and how did that come about for you? So actually my interest in the brain, how the brain works started when my oldest son, when he was around three years old, we began to notice something was off developmentally with him. Mm -hmm. And so we got him evaluated and everything. And he was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Okay. And, you know, mama bear kicked in and I was like, <laughs> I want to do something to help my son. And I wasn't satisfied with what, you know, the school was offering and what kind of the mainstream therapy modalities out there just didn't satisfy me. I thought there had to be something more. And so I began to research and I came across what was called uh, neurodevelopmental therapy. It was kind of, I don't know that it was necessarily new, uh, newish at that point. Uh, I think it's a little bit more common today, but I, uh, I saw what it did for my son because what this therapy did was really focus at reorganizing the brain. So it tapped into the brain and getting the brain organized so that the child could thrive, right? And as I began to do that work with him, I saw such a transformation in him. And that really piqued my interest. I learned about the neuroplasticity of the brain and all of that. And um, so when I came across the neurocoaching, of course, my interest was really piqued. Yeah. And I began to dive into that. Like, how is this effective in the coaching world? As I began to see how it really does uh, tap into the neuroplasticity and how we can shape and reshape our, our, our neural pathways. Um, that's really, you know, that first introduction to how the brain works working with my son now, as I'm doing this, you know, as a career, it just felt like a natural fit for me because I already had that interest in how the brain works. So love that. And so how did it help your son over the course of you working with him? What were the results that you saw? So the first thing that I saw that was so incredibly that I knew it was working was, you know, when, when I first started working with him, he was maybe putting one to two words together in a sentence. In the first three months, he went from that to putting three to four words together in a sentence. Wow. And I said, oh my gosh, this is working. <laughs> um, and he, you know, he wasn't, you know, like he was more in the mild end of the autism spectrum. His was more language development, behavioral and some of that. Uh, but when he went to kindergarten, you know, he didn't need any extra assistance. We moved to a different school district when he was in second grade. And 
I didn't tell his teacher his previous diagnosis. I wanted her to, you know, just see him without a preconceived idea. And so at the first uh, parent-teacher conference, I asked her, I said, so do you notice anything different about him? And she said, no, what do you mean? And I told her what his previous diagnosis had been. And she's like, I would have never known that. And I was like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) this stuff works. He's now, uh, he finished his senior year at the University of Iowa. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Proof right there that the the neuroplasticity plasticity and the neuro coaching really works if you put in the work. Yes, for sure. Amazing. For those who might not know, what is a neuro coach and what do you do for your clients as a neuro coach specifically? So I pay attention when my clients are speaking and I help them to identify their limiting beliefs. Um, We've been trained to ask specific questions that help like uncover those limiting beliefs that are running in their subconscious memory that they're not even most of the time, they're not even aware of are there. And then uh, the specific model that we've been trained in actually takes them through a process to logically and emotionally, you know, we tap into the logical part of the brain as well as the emotional brain and to refute that belief. And then uh, there's a really powerful next step that we take them through that they actually have to you know, do his homework. And then they begin to listen to what we call a brain prime, which that actually drives the the truth, the new belief that they're priming into their brain. It drives that into their subconscious memory. And what in that whole process, what happens is the old neural pathway actually breaks away and the new one is formed. It's, it's amazing work. It's just so amazing. So you're basically (laughs) reprogramming their brains, reprogramming those pathways. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Are there specific techniques or exercises you recommend to enhance cognitive functioning, boost mental clarity, and improve focus and productivity? You know, this was an interesting question. I thought about it for a while and I thought, you know what? Actually, I think so much of this is connected to our physical health as well. You know, if we're not sleeping well, if we're not exercising, we're not eating right, all of those kinds of things, our mental health is not going to be optimal. And, uh, so my encouragement is always for people, you know, cause it, our body is so interconnected. It's not just the brain or just our health or what it's, everything is so interconnected. And so being really careful, like how we take care of our bodies physically. And then as far as productivity, uh, I do have this really cool, like, um, goal setting and, you know, accomplishing your goal kind of method that I take my clients through to help them. Because what happens is, with the productivity piece, we have like, we set these big goals, right? We have these big goals that we're trying to attain. And our brain looks at that and just like flips out and says, we can't do that. That's way too much. (laughs) And so there's this whole process we take, I take them through to help them just really break down into bite-sized pieces. And so that there's, you know, clarity on what they're going towards. Their brain's not freaking out on them and, you know, but they're accomplishing their goals, right? Yeah. And it's really hacking the brain. So that's what I would say, you know, as far as helping them with focus and productivity. Yeah, there's that overwhelm. It's like when you say when you look at a whole staircase, you you tell people, look, don't look at the entire staircase. Take it one step at a time. So, like you said, those bite-sized chunks is what do they say? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? <laughs> yes. Same kind of thing, right? Yeah. How does neuro coaching differ from traditional coaching approaches and how does an understanding of neuroscience enhance the coaching process? Well, I think it's like I talked about before, it's that deep level 
of brain-based transformation, of removing, first of all, that old belief that's no longer serving us, which is such a crucial step. I feel like I can't highlight that enough, is that removal of the belief has to happen if we're going to have that lasting transformation. Otherwise, it's like, you know, you're trying to pour a glass of water for somebody, but the glass is turned upside down. It's not going in, right? <laughs> yeah. We need to flip the glass over by removing that belief. And then those new truths, you know, those affirmations that we say or whatever, those other types of things can work because that old belief has been removed. And so um, that's how I say that the neurocoaching is really different from more traditional coaching types of methods yeah. out there. And so how do you incorporate mindfulness and contemplative practices into your neurocoaching approach? And how does that influence your client's ability to cultivate greater self-awareness and emotional regulation? A lot of what I talk to them about is paying attention to their thoughts. So when we are going towards a goal and we were going somewhere we've never been before, you know, our brain, our brain's job is to keep us in the safe and the familiar. And so our brain throws up resistance when we begin to do something that we've never done before. And so I like to tell my clients, pay attention to that. That area of resistance that's coming up for you is saying, pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> and then begin to ask yourself, what are those thoughts that I'm thinking when this resistance comes up? So really paying attention to our thoughts that we think, and then also being really mindful about the words that we speak. You know, we can be you know, dealing with a situation in our life that feels very challenging. Maybe it's overwhelmed. We feel so overwhelmed and so busy. And so we th say things like, oh, I'm just so busy. I can't get everything done. I'm so tired. You know, those kinds of things. Well, our brain is always listening to us. And so we're going get, to keep getting more of that. If that's what we keep saying, that's more of what we're going to get. But if we shift that and say things like, my life is full. I have so many fun things to do in my life. Or I'm choosing what I say yes to or what I say no to. That's so empowering and it shifts so much for us. And so really paying attention as well to the words that we speak is really that mindfulness that I, uh, that I work with my clients on. Uh, yeah, that self-awareness piece is definitely key with everything. I mean, you have to pay attention to the words you say because, like you said, what you speak out into the universe comes back to you. So you do. You have to be very mindful of that for sure. Mm -hmm. Can you explain the concept of neuroplasticity and how it can be leveraged to facilitate personal growth and transform behavioral patterns? Well, definitely, you know, neuroplasticity is simply the brain's ability to change and adapt. And so um, what I do with, you know, the coaching part of it is changing our behavior patterns. Well, if we're, you know, having these old beliefs running through our subconscious, that's the kind of behavior we're going to, the results that we're going to see in our life. And so it's really addressing those. And like I talked about before, we're actually removing those neural pathways, which is the neuroplasticity. That's, that's what neuroplasticity is, is the ability to break away old neural pathways and to form new, new ones. Your brain has the ability to create new neural pathways. <laughs> it's so amazing. And so that is it's what I'm doing in my work is working with the neuroplasticity of the brain. And how long do they say then, if you're if you're on top of this and you're constantly being mindful and practicing, how long does they do they say it takes to reprogram those neuro neural pathways in the brain? Typically, yeah, mm -hmm. it's an average of 21 days for the old neural pathway to fall away, okay, and then an average of 67 days to form a new one. Wow, mm -hmm. that's pretty damn quick. <laughs> I know, right? You have to stay, but you have yep. to practice. You have, that's regularly every day you're applying yourself to that. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Can you speak to the impact of stress on the brain and overall well-being and how you guide clients in managing and reducing stress through neurocoaching? Well, stress is very damaging to the body, uh, but specifically to the brain, you know, uh, long-term chronic stress can cause things like depression and Alzheimer's. Um, and so definitely stress is a huge deal. And especially in our culture today, <laughs> you know, being atten paying attention and not allowing yourself to get stressed is so important. But for me, I would say, you know, um, being aware of your triggers, you know, what is your stress trigger? Are you flight, fight or freeze? I'm typically a fight. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, shoot. Anyway, but just understanding that what is our stress response and being aware of that. And so a situation happens and how our brain works, something comes up, uh, we have a thought and then we have an emotion. So, you know, an emotion, if we sit with an emotion really only lasts for about 90 seconds. So let me just give you an example. Sure. Let's say I come home and my kids haven't done their chores. Right. And the first thing that happens is my blood pressure rises. <laughs> <laughs> and then I start to think the thought, what's the thought? Well, the thought is, is that my kids never listen to me. Mm -hmm. And then what's my emotion? Well, it's going to be anger. Well, instead of, you know, my, so my typical response would be go and to my kids and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did, you know, and the stress yeah. levels rise. And, <laughs> but if I take that emotion of anger and I sit there for 90 seconds with that emotion mm -hmm. and I sit there with it and let it pass, what would happen then? I could calmly go to my kids and ask them, why were the chores not done? Right. And that's lowered the stress. Nobody else is getting stressed. We can calmly address the situation. And, you know, I think... We have and until until they give you an answer that, that pisses you off <laughs> after you've calmed down. You're right about that. To start to, to recycle I was on that. my phone all day, mom. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry, but I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. I just had to throw no, that you're in. Fine. Uh, but I think the thing of it is, is just we don't know how to we don't know how to handle our emotions. You know, we right. want to avoid our emotions. We want to avoid feeling emotion. And so we get so programmed into that pattern of just, you know, thought, emotion, and we, we're triggered and we do right. whatever trigger, whether it's fight, flight, or freeze. But it's like, okay, let's sit with that emotion. Yeah. It's okay. Can we sit for 90 seconds with an emotion? And so that's a, one of the things that I feel like has been really helpful for me and even for my clients is to teach them, you know, that 90 seconds, you can sit for 90 seconds with an emotion. You'll be okay. But that takes a hell of a lot of mindfulness, self-awareness to be able to do that, which, of course, in turn, takes a lot of practice, right? Yes. You have to put that into practice and be able to not automatically react when those emotions come up and to be able to yeah. sit with them. We actually have a cool little trick, too, that okay. I help the clients with. It's called deciding in advance. And so I take my clients through a whole thing of like, you know, what are you going to say? You've come into the situation. Let's say you know, your kids haven't done their chores. You're frustrated. That's your typical response. So instead of that, what are you going to do? And they specifically spell it out. I've done this for myself too. Just specifically this, I'm going to look my son in the eye and I'm going to tell him how proud I am of him or, you know, whatever yeah. and have that. And then we actually prime that into their, their brain primes as well. And then that way it just comes more naturally because the brain sees that as, okay, 
that's what I'm going to do instead of, you know, like trying to wrestle our way through on our own. It just, it makes it easier having that decide in advance, advance in place. This is how I'm going to respond in this situation. Because many times we have those things that are common triggers for us, right. you know, in relationships and our family and all that. And having that in place to help our brain know this is how I'm going to respond in that situation. And I'm not going to go to that stress place. Can you share one more tip? But thank you for sharing that tip. I think that'll be mm-hmm. very useful for me. Can you share another tip that the audience can implement immediately to start being more mindful and to start practicing that those types of things so that they don't fly off the handle and automatically react? I find that I fly off the handle and react more when I'm not rested. Or for me personally, my faith is such an important part of my life, but being rooted and grounded in who I am in God, you know, remembering that God loves me because oftentimes it's out of that place of lack where I respond out of stress. So meaning, you know, I don't remember who I am, that I am loved, that I'm valued, that I'm cherished. Like even being frustrated with my kids for not doing their chores comes out of a place of, you know, they must not love me because they didn't do what I asked them to do. But, you know, taking that time to remember, no, I'm loved no matter what. It's their actions don't determine their love for me. And so just having that time, you know, first of all, your body needs to be well rested. If we're not well rested, we're going to be in that stress mode a whole lot more. And I've had to learn this the hard way. You know, I've, I've worked through that place of overwork, exhaustion, all that, and really being careful how much rest I'm getting, but also spending time with God, praying, meditating on the word of God and who I am is so helpful it you know to reduce that stress level as well yeah how what would you say then let's see maybe two two ways in which neuro coaching has specifically helped you in your personal journey yeah for sure so i talked about the culture that i was raised in you know they didn't value furthering education so i quit school after i finished 8th grade wow 8th grade yeah. <laughs> I have no high school education. I have no college education. I quit school at age 14 and I started my first business. And uh, so when I started this neuro coaching work, I uncovered the belief that I'm not smart enough. Well, right. it makes a whole lot of sense because, um, you know, I looked at the world around me and the world around me defined being smart enough as getting a higher education. Right. And, you know, in my logical brain, I would have told you, oh, I'm smart enough. That's not true. But it was a belief that was programmed in my subconscious memory. And so as I began to do that work of removing that old belief and rewiring the truth that I am smart enough, oh my gosh, like this was at the time where I was just starting building my coaching business and all of that. And I was really struggling because my other businesses that I had ran were not like, I didn't need to be upfront marketing myself on social media. Right. And that was really challenging for me. I was hiding with my coaching business. I was really struggling putting myself out there. Um, but as I began to do this work of removing that belief that I wasn't smart enough, I showed up like a totally different person. I mean, it's, it's totally bizarre. I can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Like it is the most incredible, crazy thing. I, I feel like I'm not even the same person. It's yeah. just, it's nuts. Wow. So 
So can you share a little bit about your process when working with your coaching clients and how you implement the co- the neuro coaching specifically into the work you do with your clients? Um, so, you know, with my, when I do business and life coaching, I, you know, whether it's business coaching, I'm teaching them business, you know, how to grow their business and all of that, but I'm always paying attention, you know, for those limiting beliefs that are popping up because we all have them. We right. all do. And, you know, you can have all the, the skills in the world to grow your business and know all the methods and the techniques and all of that. But if those limiting beliefs are holding you back, you know, it's going to be really hard for you to show, show up fully as who you are and grow your business. Um, and so my neuro coaching is always intertwined in all of the coaching that I do. Okay. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? I would say probably the most significant thing that I experienced was just really encountering my heavenly father, uh, truly as who he is. You know, I was born and raised in this culture that really focused on the outward, uh, and not how my heart connects with God, who God really is. And so I saw God as kind of this angry God and that I felt that if I would mess up, then he would, you know, let go of me and I would have to work my way back into his graces and that kind of thing. Um, and it wasn't really until my early thirties that I really encountered him, like who God is, that he is this incredible God who loves me so much. You know, I had a dad, my dad was, you know, emotionally distant. And so I, I kind of had this hole in my heart that needed to be filled And, you know, our heavenly father, he's the only one who can perfectly provide that love for us. And, you know, in that moment that I encountered that, it really shifted who I was as a person and has changed. You know, I was, I would say I was much more anxious before um, and striving and working from a place of lack and, and trying to prove who I was. And now that I've really encountered and I continue to encounter him as a loving heavenly father, it comes from a place of rest and confidence and, you know, being okay with how he created me and showing up fully as myself and not holding back, um, but bringing my whole self to the table. And so that experience has probably been the most uh, transformational for me in my life. You've mentioned a few times now, this almost this previous life you led <laughs> and you're, you're now, Christian base. Can you explain what that was before and what facilitated that shift for you? Like, how did that, what was the catalyst for that, for that shift in your life? Yeah. So I was born and raised in the Amish church and, uh, you know, I left when I was 14 years old on my own with my older sister, my parents were, they stayed Amish, you know, and so that itself was unusual, but I always had this like independence and, you know, this desire for freedom. I have a core value for freedom and that was not going to be expressed in the Amish culture. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I had the opportunity to leave and my parents were okay with it. And so I left and I was still living at home and all of that, but, um, you know, it was always that desire. I knew that there was more to walking with God than what I had been taught as a child There was, like I said, there was a lot of emphasis on the outward and not so much on what a personal relationship with God looks like and experiencing his presence, his transformational power. And so whether I realized it or not, I think I was always on a journey of, you know, discovering that, you know, and 
so it really was, you know, probably my twenties and into my early thirties where we had, you know, my husband and I, we um, began attending a different church and, you know, the message preached there was so different. It was a different God than I had believed about, like I had believed differently about God. And so, um, understanding that, no, he loves us as his kids. You know, he's not an angry God up there waiting to cut us off, right? Like he loves us so much. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And that is the greatest gift ever offered. And I get to walk in relationship with God today because he loves me so much. It's just the most incredible thing. And, um, you know, so I think it was more just this desire of knowing that or understanding that there's more than what I was raised with and what I was taught. There's more there. And not that there's, you know, the Amish culture is a beautiful culture. I am grateful for a lot that I was born and raised with. Um, But then there's also things that I just, I knew I couldn't live that way the rest of my life um, that I was led out of that and into where I am today. Did that, you said you left when you were 14, did that cause, and you were still living at home with your parents. Did that cause a lot of tension in the house? Like, was there tension or were they fully 100% supportive? And no, Iva, you, you choose whichever path you want to walk and we're okay with that. Um, to start with, there was a little, like, they saw the value of me leaving. I mean, I think they knew my heart, my mom, especially, uh, but yet there was some wrestling in her heart. Cause I think her desire was that her kids would all stay Amish, but I think in her wisdom, she knew that that was the journey that I needed to be on. And so she let me go. So I would say that early on, there was probably some tension, but as time went on, I really felt like they supported me in my choices. What sure. about with your siblings? Cause you said you and your sister left, but you still, mm-hmm. you have other siblings. How did yeah. they react to that? Well, the interesting thing about that is they had already all left the Amish as well. I'm ah, the youngest, oh, I'm the youngest okay. of eight. So they and you kind all of- left? All eight of you left? Yeah. Wow. That must have been really tough for your parents, all the kids leaving that yeah. religion. So that's what I mean. Like, I think she saw the value of some of my other siblings really. Um, it was a much more painful leaving process. And so I think by the time I had that desire to leave, she saw the value of allowing it to happen in a way that was much more loving and gracious versus some of my older siblings. It was pretty, um, they just, they were really struggling and more in a rebellious state of like, we reject this culture. We don't want anything to do with it and left in that way. So um, yeah, no, none of my siblings. Wow. And how, how are all your siblings relationship now with your parents and did they all step into Christianity as well? Or did like, what was, how did that go? Yeah, Such a great question. Um, so both of my parents have passed away. Okay. I'm sorry for your loss. But you know, over time, uh, my parents, my mom specifically, I feel like she really accepted all of us. Um, but my siblings, I wouldn't say all of them are walking in the Christian faith today, um, but we have a good relationship with each other. We're actually a really close family. And I think the reason why is just because, you know, the experiences that we've walked through together have really shaped and molded us. And so uh, we all pretty much live in the same area. And so we get to see each other pretty frequently. Um, and it's a gift. I, it's a gift that I, I am so grateful for that. You yeah. know, I mean, 
it's something I really cherish. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Yeah. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful, Iva? Um, I would say I have an incredible gift to read people. And so um, that is something that I think has been one of my superpowers, but also just the ability to never give up no matter how difficult it gets. Yeah. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? I would say uh, just really hearing God's voice and understanding God's will for your life and then walking out in that. You know, he gives us the desires of our hearts. And so that means that from the moment that we were created in our mother's womb, he placed these specific desires in us. Mm -hmm. And so it's discovering what lights us up, right? Because he placed us, he knows us, he created us. And then, you know, going on the journey of discovering that and enjoying the journey to me is success. You know, because, you know, what I'm doing today, I might not be doing 10 years from now, but that's okay. It's all part of the journey, but embracing all parts of it, the hard parts, the good parts, and understanding that it's just a beautiful tapestry that's unfolding before us. To me, that's success. Love that. Iva, what aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? For my coaching, I would say it's been that I'm a really good listener. Um, and even when I'm in, you know, in conversation with somebody, uh, like I'm tuned in to what the person is saying, you know, and I think today in our day and age where people don't seem, feel like they're seen or valued or heard, it is an incredible gift. And I understand that I, it comes naturally for me. It doesn't come naturally for everybody, but like when I talk to somebody, I just don't want to go surface level. I want to go deep. Like I want to hear your story, you know, <laughs> being <laughs> fully present. Yeah. Yeah. Being fully present for sure. So what does the word empowerment mean to you? Um, so scripture says that uh, we don't have this spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And, you know, so understanding that my power comes from God, God is the one who gives me the power to overcome is the foundation to that. Uh, But then, you know, fully walking out in that and not holding back, you know, because I'm afraid, but being rooted and grounded that, you know, because if God calls me to it, he's also going to equip me, you know, he's going to provide what I need for the call that he has on my life. And so being fully aware of that and walking out, you know, without fear, but, you know, like scripture says, but power, love and a sound mind, you know, and to me, that just speaks of, you know, courageousness and not holding back. So to me, that's empowerment. Love it. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Tenacious. What is your favorite self-care practice? Taking a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Naps are good. Afternoon naps are the best. I love it. (laughs) Recharge. (laughs) If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Love your neighbor. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? That I loved others well. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? More friends, but like deeper, like 
deep friendships. Yeah. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> what is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Uh, I think just the ability that to laugh and enjoy the journey, even though, you know, life can be hard at times. Um, but to learn to relax and, and enjoy the journey. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? That I actually like showing my face on social media. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of that journey you just spoke of, right? Is getting comfortable with that and stepping into your yeah. authenticity and stepping into your power. Yeah. Iva, what is your why? Um, to help other women discover their identity and to walk fully in their freedom. Like I said before, one of my core values is freedom. And I really want to help other women to find their freedom and to walk fully out in that. That's a powerful mission. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? That was a really hard question, but I landed on <laughs> uh, Rosa Parks. You know, she did one simple act that started a movement. And I would love to ask her, you know, were you afraid? Like, did you, did you have any idea what you started, you were going to start, you know, just, Oh, I would love to pick her brain. <laughs> <laughs> if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Um, slow down and enjoy the journey for so many years when I was younger, I was always rushing on to the next thing and, you know, accomplishing the next goal. And, I feel like now that I'm a little older and hopefully a little bit more wisdom, it's like, you know, it's okay. I can slow down and it's fine. We all need to take a page from that book and know that it's okay to slow down and just enjoy the journey. As you said earlier, mm -hmm. enjoy the journey. Yeah. Lastly, Iva, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I would say we've all been given one beautiful life to live and spend your time doing what's truly important, which is investing in relationships. And, you know, all this world has to offer, you know, there's lots of things that we can try to attain to and all of that, but that will all pass away someday and we'll have no value. Um, but our relationships is what matters and our relationship with God and, you know, we get to live forever in eternity with him if we accept his free gift of salvation through his son, Jesus. And uh, so live your life. Uh, you know, we have a very short time here on this earth, um, but it's a beautiful gift. And so live it to the fullest. Love that. Iva, thank you so much for this incredibly beautiful conversation and all of the education you provided. <laughs> I had, I learned a lot today about neuro plasticity, neurocoaching, the brain, all of that stuff. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and sharing a little bit about your story and your journey. I am so grateful to have had this opportunity to sit down and speak with you. Thank you, Brad. It's been an honor to be on here. I appreciate you. It has been my pleasure and my honor, and I appreciate you as well, Iva. Thank you so much. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Iva Bontrager. She is a certified Christian life and business coach and also a certified neuro coach. Thank you so much, Iva. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you, you too. 
Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.